Hey, this is Vanessa. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC. This is Building Resilience, a project with the purpose of equipping people with what they need to end sexual violence. In this first series of Building Resilience, we focused on the role that parents and caregivers can play in both preventing and responding to child sexual abuse. You've heard from my family services specialist colleagues, and you've heard from former clients of KSARC who are parents of child survivors of sexual abuse. Today, I'm sharing a previously recorded conversation between two of my amazing colleagues, Deanne Yamamoto and Cindy Madrid. Cindy is a survivor of child sexual abuse, utilized KSARC services when she was younger, and for the past few years has been an instrumental part of the KSARC staff. In this conversation, she shares a bit about her experiences as an undocumented 11-year-old who, in the midst of her parents' divorce, disclosed her sexual abuse to a school counselor and the events that followed. Cindy's awesome, and we will definitely have to have a more in-depth conversation with her in a future episode. For those that attended the 2021 Be Loud Breakfast Fundraiser, this conversation may sound familiar to you. As a heads up, this episode includes discussion of child sexual abuse. KSART considered it such a privilege to work with you and your family during your healing journey and just filled with gratitude that you are here today to share your story with us. Thank you so much. I know, Cindy, that you're not one to want the limelight, to be the center of attention, and yet you are here sharing your story, a very personal story with us. Can you tell us what meaning that has for you? Yeah, I think it's important for me to share my story because I spent a long time being silent about it. And I hope that in me sharing my story, I can hopefully help someone in some way if I can. I'm sure you can. I think your story will resonate with a lot of survivors and teach us professionals on how to um, better support survivors of child sexual assault. So very much appreciate you sharing your story. I want to take us back. You moved to the U.S. when you were quite young, I think three years old. Can you reflect back on that time frame, moving to the U.S., a completely different country, and just what sort of transpired after that point? I know that's a long ways to go back, and you were quite young. I was really young, so I don't have a lot of memories of, of living in Honduras, but um, my earliest memories are of when we moved to the United States, and um, we moved in with a lot of family, so it was always a full house um, with a lot of cousins and uncles and aunts. And um, uh, that's how I remembered growing up. Um, and in those early stages of, of living here is my earliest memories of sexual abuse by my dad. I don't really know exactly when it started, um, but it seemed to be something that was always happening. And um, I didn't really understand what it was or or what it meant. Um, and it was also very confusing living with so many people. I wasn't sure if this was okay or if this wasn't okay, or if people knew if it happened to other people, if it was just me. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty confusing just having to adjust to the new place and also having to um, live with, with what was happening to me with my dad. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's heartbreaking for me to hear because you were three years old. And so abuse continuing on um, for many years, as I recall. There was a point where you ended up telling, and I don't know that it was purposeful, but something was going on in your life that compelled you to say something. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Um, I was about 11 years old. I was in the fifth grade and um, I had heard that my parents might be getting a divorce, might be separating. Um, so I didn't know what divorce was either. I wasn't sure about that. Um, and so I went down to the counselor's office to speak to my counselor and um, she handed me a bunch of books um, about divorce and it had illustrations. And I remember just reading through these books and they showed that sometimes kids spent one weekend with their mom and the next with their dad, or sometimes one went with one parent, one with the other. And I guess when I was reading this, um, that's when it actually just really hit me. Um, my little sister was two years old at the time. And um, so just seeing this, I just started thinking, what did this mean for us? Did this mean that I could be alone with him for a weekend? Did this mean that he would have access to my sister for a weekend? Or I wasn't really sure what it meant. And so in that moment, um, I didn't know what I was reporting. I didn't know what I was talking about, but I just felt like I needed to tell someone. And, um, and I told my counselor, just hoping that she would just make it stop or she would just, you know, find a solution for us so we can, you know, um, so nobody would be put in danger. Three years old to 11 years old when you're in the fifth grade and abuse is continuing. Well, telling the school counselor changed a lot of things for you. I mean, you were even confused about what it was, huh? But you made that report to your school counselor, and she's a mandated reporter. So she likely reported to Child Protective Services. And what happened next? Yeah, so the school counselor did report to CPS, and CPS gave us a call. Um, so I sat with the counselor and CPS and, and told them what I had told the counselor, and they had questions for me, and... Um, I didn't really know exactly what I was reporting. Um, didn't really know who I was speaking to either. I just um, was mostly just answering questions and letting them know, you know, what I had let the counselor know. And um, I was still in school. I was a fifth grader. So, um, you know, after that, I got picked up from school and let my mom know as much as I could um, what had happened and what I had told everyone else and what was what I, you know, suspected was going on. And... Um, she just pulled over and we just cried together. And that meant a lot to me because I'd never told anyone before that day. And um, meant a lot to me that, you know, I had my mom's support and somebody to actually just, you know, cry with me and listen to me and, and hear what I had to say. That's a beautiful image, Cindy. Just getting that support that you need after telling and being believed after living in silence for so long. That's so important, and I'm glad that you were able to get that nurturing in that moment. So now CPS reports to law enforcement typically, and is that what happened next? Yeah, so um, they did report to police officers. The next day I was in class again, and I was pulled out of class to go speak to police officers. And once I saw police officers, that really scared me. Um, because I felt like I was in big trouble and I felt like I had gotten everybody else in trouble. And um, we were an undocumented family. So seeing police officers, I was, you know, I, my first thought was, you know, I, I got everybody in trouble and now um, how am I going to get myself out of this? And so speaking to the police officers, my first um, thing that came to mind was just to try to take things back, um, try to minimize it as much as I could or just take it back if I could. Um, but I couldn't because it was the truth. And, um, you know, eventually I told them and, and then things went on from there. Well, I feel like you were carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders for, at this point. And that's, that's heavy 
wait for a fifth grader to carry. And it's at this time then that I think KSARC got involved. Um, typically law enforcement give referrals to KSARC to do outreach calls. And so what do you remember about that moment? Um, KSARC gave a call to my mom. They were able to call my mom in Spanish, which meant a lot because um, my mom didn't speak English. And, um, and they set us up at the child interview. Um, so we were, I had to tell my story again, and but this time it was different because this time I had somebody with me, um, a legal advocate that accompanied me to the child interview. And um, it was still hard because I still didn't really understand what was going on. Um, but having that support meant a lot, especially after I reported my family didn't believe me. And um, my family, um, you know, immediately moved out and it was just my myself, my mom and my sister. And so having that support from KSARC and going through that process and not doing it alone was very meaningful to me. That's so important to get the support that you need. And, and I'm sorry that it was such an isolating time for you at the same time. What services did you end up getting that was helpful to you? I started doing therapy and my mom started doing uh, parent education. So we were both going to, to KSARC at the same time and we were, my mom was learning how to help me and she was also learning this in her own language, which was really helpful. Um, and I was doing therapy and just learning about what sexual abuse meant and what it was that had happened to me and learning the terms, you know, and finally putting, you know, a word to what this was. And they, they helped me understand what had happened, what it meant, and that it wasn't my fault. Because up to this point, um, I felt like this was my fault. You know, I felt like I was responsible for, for um, everything that had happened for, you know, um, for the police and for, for anything that had happened, I felt like this was my doing. And therapy was, was essential to me, being able to accept that this wasn't my fault and being able to understand so I could move forward with my life and my mom as well. Carrying that blame is very difficult to do. And so I'm glad that that narrative was changed for you. So by now you're in the fifth grade getting counseling and you felt like you were ready to leave counseling and sort of move on in your um, middle school life. I know that things got rough for you in high school, though. Can you reflect back on those years? Yeah, I left counseling when I was about 13, and um, I just continued on, did middle, you know, finished middle school, started high school, and, um, you know, as I got older, I, I guess these memories started having different meaning to me. Um, and I started having more memories and flashbacks and nightmares of things that um, had happened and, and that I felt like, you know, I was over it. But it started um, just really piling up on me, you know, and I continued to try to ignore it. But it was something that was um, just really overpowering and taking over my life. Um, and I was just really sad all the time and really feeling helpless. And, and I didn't want to go back to therapy because I felt like it meant that I had failed, but it was time to, you know, let some let KSR help me again and let them be there for me and support me because I really did need that guidance to help me, um, you know, change and and better myself. And so I I went back to therapy again um, when I was about a sophomore, and um, and this time therapy was was a lot different. It was more. Um, you know, I, I had the terms, I understood what had happened to me, um, but I, I needed help to, you know, just understand myself, understand um, 
that this wasn't my fault, even though they've told me before, you know, those feelings come back. And and I've, I never felt like my body was really my own. I didn't really feel um, like myself, like I, I had been, you know, I had always grown up with somebody having, you know, taken that from me and going to therapy that second time around, you know, I was able to, to feel like myself, feel like, you know, I, I was my own and, and it took a lot and it took, it was really difficult and it took a lot of patience, but I was able to do that and I was able to finish therapy and come out of it feeling, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you're describing is post-traumatic stress disorder. That's a pretty serious, um, pretty serious diagnosis. And you worked through a lot in that therapeutic process and had a great opportunity to be able to get support yet again. And I'm, I'm glad you were able to do that. And I'm glad you were brave enough and courageous enough to come back to KSARC a second time. And where are you now? Keep us up to date and get us up to date on what's happening now. So yeah, I ended up graduating high school. Um, and one day I was, um, I saw in a listing that KSARC was hiring. Um, I remember seeing it and just kind of thinking like, you know, there's somebody out there who's really good for this job, not me. But, um, you know, then I thought, why not me? You know, maybe I could do this and and maybe I could, you know, use my experience and, and be able to help other people. So I applied and I interviewed and I got the job. And, you know, quickly when I started, I realized that this was really important to me, that I, I really could make a difference. And, you know, I was picking up the phone um, and a lot of people that were calling, it was their first time calling KSARC. And so it meant a lot to me to be able to confidently tell them, you know, you called the right place and you're going to be okay. And and I could say that because I had been on the other side of that phone and I had, um, you know, experienced what they were experiencing and I felt so much better. And, and it felt really good to be able to do that for other people. We were so happy that you applied and that you got the job because you answered the phone both in English and in Spanish. And so people had the opportunity to hear your voice and hear your um, just caring and compassionate nature on the other end of the phone. And that was thrilling to us. But now you've moved positions. What are you doing now? I am part of the external relations team at KSARC now. Um, and we are in charge of you know raising funds, but also raising awareness. And that's really important to me is to be able to be a part of that. And, and be able to help other people and, and get the word out, you know, that we're here and, and we're ready to help you. Um, and it feels so good to be a part of that now, you know, because I used to sit on the other side. I used to sit in the hall, you know, waiting for my appointments. And now I get to work alongside the people that were there for me. And it's really meaningful to me that I get to do something like this and that I get to give back in the way that, um, you know, the, way, the same way that KSARC helped me. Absolutely. I feel like your story has just gone full circle, right? In the beginning where you were living in silence and, and then have the opportunity to tell your story, now have the opportunity to share your story, now have opportunity to, to help and assist others and get awareness out there. I think that's an amazing story to tell. Is there one message that you would like to share with others who might be experiencing something similar as you did? Yeah, what I hope that uh, people listening to me today took away from this is that there is hope and that they deserve to be surrounded by people who support them and believe them and KSARC is ready to do that for them and all they need to do is you know give us a call and 
there's people here 24-7 ready for them and waiting for them to, to give us that call. We're just so appreciative of you sharing with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you to Cindy Madrid and Deanne Yamamoto for permitting us to replay this conversation. And a special thanks to our super producer, Logan Vesey, for editing, consulting, and mastering the audio, and for the immense support in making this project possible.